0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Lord, we thank you this morning for that old rugged cross. We've just spent time with bread and a cup to remind ourselves of that old rugged cross and the price that was paid for our redemption. And we realize that one day, maybe sooner than we realize, we'll exchange it for a crown, casting them at your feet. God, what a day that will be. Thank you for all that you Um, accomplished through the cross thank you that um, one of old has said that you died to settle all and that you rose to prove that all was settled and so God we give our remarks the word to you today our worship to you because it's all due to your incredible holy name in Jesus name Amen thanks Dixie and the team. We're going to um, worship at the end again because I'd love us just to celebrate that as we um, celebrate freedom this morning because that's what has been accomplished at the cross. just in case you're wondering about the baptism tank um, that Portadown down or using um, our building here at two o'clock, actually at half one I think, um, to do a baptism. they were going to the lock today, but weather didn't permit that and so we set the tank up for them yesterday. Peter in it this morning there, so they're coming um, just around lunchtime. They're having a picnic here as well. They're going to have a picnic and then a baptism, so I think it's all going to happen here. Um, Just one little practical thing about the communion cups, just if you would take, we'll get the guys to put a bin at the back, and if you take those with you, it'd be great just to get broke over the floor, and we're always afraid of kids crawling about and getting cut on them, so if you do that for us, that would be great. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Yeah, what a powerful day in the kingdom of God. It's an incredible day. Incredible day. I hope you got up early to I got up early to watch the sun come up, but couldn't see it come up, but it got light anyway. But there you go. The day Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, ripped the bars of them open. That's what he done on this incredible day. And destroyed death for us all. Isn't that amazing. That death is going to be destroyed. It's one of the last enemies that the Bible says will be destroyed. I want to read a passage of scripture because I want to talk to you this morning about what happened on Resurrection Sunday. What actually did Jesus accomplish by this incredible thing that he done? Coming as a baby, been born of a virgin. Remember the whole story? Born of a virgin all right, raised in obscurity, three years of public ministry, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, all of that, going to Calvary, paying the price for our sin, three hours of darkness where God would pour upon him the wrath of sin, and he would bear it all for us. He would cry those incredible words, it is finished, three days um, after he would rise from the dead on this resurrection morning, And then after that, he would ascend to heaven. And today, there is a man in the glory. The first fruits of those that slept. Incredible. All of that just for us. So I want to read in Luke chapter 4. If you would go with me to there, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 22. Um, It'll be on the screen, or you can watch in your Bible. Look along in your Bible or your device. I'm reading it from the NIV version. He, talking about Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue as was his custom. I've preached in that little line. You know that. I love that little line. Jesus went to church, all right? Jesus went to church as was his custom. He did this. It was in his diary and pen. It wasn't pencil. He couldn't change it. It was his custom to do this. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was on him, fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, "'Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.'" That's some speak, isn't it? And he all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. And of course, somebody said, "'Isn't this Joseph's son?' they asked. Pretty incredible, isn't it? What a story. Jesus' own declaration was that he came to do five things. He came to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If he came to release something, we've been talking about um, strongholds and I thought this morning it would be good just to highlight a little bit of what resurrection really means. If he came to release, then that means something was bound, all right? You'll never appreciate freedom until you consider the magnitude and reality of bondage. All right? They're two sides of the one coin. And so he didn't come to set free people free. He came to set bound people free. And the enemy's greatest strategy is to make bound people think they're free people. That's the enemy's greatest trick. So they never need a savior. Paul said this very powerfully in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image. So to have a conversation about freedom, I've got a box of tricks here. To have a conversation about freedom, to have a conversation about keys, which brings freedom, first of all, we need to have a conversation about locks and chains, because they're they, they go in, they go in, in, in conjunction with one another. You can't talk about keys without talking about chains. It's really important. And to have a conversation about this, some of our chains are glaringly obvious. We talk about Joe down the road who's an alcoholic. We talk about Gertrude down the town who is a drug addict. They're glaringly obvious. We never think about Bertha who gossips the bit out to everybody in church, in church and out of church. So some of the chains are glaringly obvious. Some of them not so obvious. And Jesus wants to break them all this morning. That's the thing. And Resurrection Sunday is all about freedom. It's all about breaking chains, you see. It's all about that. Now, I, um, I mentioned on Friday night in our communion service, I'm a Formula One fan. I think you probably know that, anything. Lorraine says, anything you put petrol in, I like. So, and I think that's true. But... Um, and I like keeping, the, I like keeping the, the good races, the ones that are, are very significant, and I rewatch them. And that's what we do on Easter Sunday morning, a bit like rewinding the tape. I talked about this on Friday night. Those of you who are a little older will remember you had to go to ExtraVision, hire a video. Remember you went through the new releases and everybody was standing waiting. Is that one back in yet? Remember that? And then, you, then when you left it back, the guy at the counter said, have you rewound it? Now, all the young ones are thinking, what in the wide world is he talking about? But there we go. And for you, it might be football. For you, it might be rugby, your favorite team. But this is what we do on Easter Sunday. We sort of replay the video. We go back over it again, and we go back to the story. It wasn't an easy match, this one, um, that Jesus fought. You see, he had a difficult opponent called Satan. And when he turned up, it originally looked like it could have went other way. Either way, Jesus was arriving on planet earth after living a life of obscurity when he stepped into his public ministry he started to score a few goals you would say he started to heal some sick people he started to um, heal some blind people he raised a little girl from the dead and she sat up and ate a burger and on and on we could go all of these things scoring points and when jesus cried those immortal words it is finished Somebody put on Facebook this morning, I thought it was really good, he didn't, put, he didn't say, I am finished. I sometimes think he didn't say it is over. He said it is finished. The work that God had sent him to do was finished. And I love this. God sent him to do this incredible work he went to Calvary, he bore the sin of the world, and he went into that tomb, and on the third day, on resurrection morning, he arose from the dead, and he cried April Fool to the enemy, and the rest is history. It's pretty incredible. It's a pretty incredible story. Now, resurrection makes freedom possible because when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What happened in Genesis, in Genesis 3, the serpent was um, beguiled Eve. She ate of the forbidden fruit. She talked a man into doing it. Sin came into the world as by one man sin came into the world. And Satan stole the keys to death and hell. He stole dominion. He stole dominion. That's why he could take the Son of God, Jesus, to a high place, show him all the kingdoms of the world, and say, if you bow down and worship me now, I'll give you these a lot easier than what you think you're going to get them. And the reason he could do that was because he owned them. He owned them. He had had stole the right to them. Man had given him the right. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he went back and he took back the keys of death and hell and of the grave. This is pretty incredible. And for Jesus to declare this, he now has the keys. So he could say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom because now he owns them. He has them. And he says, I'll give you these keys. Whatever you bind in earth, will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a very powerful thing. And of course, Revelation one 18 reminds us that the one, the living one was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I have these keys. I now got them back. You would think when Jesus got these keys back, the last people he'd want to give them to would be mankind. I think it's beautiful that in the in the, great, in, the, in the Great Commission, what he does, he, he, he brings these bunch of disciples around and he says, all power and authority is given to me. I now own these. I've taken these back. Now he says, go you. Go you. Make disciples of all people, baptizing them, teaching them. Something very powerful about this. And so Jesus says, I've come to set you free. I have the keys to do so. But for you to appropriate these keys, there are some things you need to do. For these keys to interact with your chains, there are some things that you need to do. Anything ever I got in the kingdom of God, I got through response. I responded to something. All right, just not a beam you up, beam you down, Scotty thing. Like, that Start by the way, just in case you wondered. Um, It's not like that. You have to appropriate some things. And so here's here's a few things that I think freedom requires us to do. The first thing that freedom requires us to do is to make some declarations. Freedom requires us to make some declarations. Now, I've told you this story before. In January the 1st, 1983, the Declaration of Emancipation for the Freedom of Slaves in America was made. 1881, all right? And that was the, that was the, the, the time that it was declared everybody was for no more slavery. It took it two years to cross the country. And so most people, especially the uh, African-American um, nations, celebrate what they call Juneteenth. And they call it Juneteenth because it's June the 19th. And it was June the 19th, 1885, that it actually, by the time it got to Texas, two years, two full years, they had been free for two years and didn't know it. Now let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, there was a declaration of freedom made over your life, and it's a shame if you would still be sitting in your chains 2,000 years later whenever the declaration has been made. Exact same thing happened to the slaves in America. And you need to declare yourself free today. If you're a Christian, you need to make, start making some declarations. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why it says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead, you will be saved. There is something powerful about declaration. Life and death is in this tongue. If you think your tongue doesn't have power, take a good look around. The old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, names will never harm me. is not true at all. Our tongue is the most violent thing we have. James says it's like the rudder of a ship. It's like a little stick that kindles of great fire. On and on we could go. And so there's something about declaring freedom in Christ today. Declaring it with your mouth. There is something about that. That's why most mornings I pray out loud. I try to not wake in the house, but I do try to pray out loud because there's something about the power of your words. There's something about speaking it into life. Not only is freedom declaration, freedom is occupation. There's something about occupy. You need to walk into this today. You need to occupy the space. Now, Rick mentioned a little phrase to me the other day. If Rick's here, he would be hunting for me now but we were out for a coffee the other morning Dave and Rick and I and we, we he lost the internet in his house I let him tell you the story and um, a digger dug it up and he says Phil here's the thing about it he says it was my one job it was the one job that I had to do and I it sparked in me one job we have got one job to do that's all we've got to do Jesus didn't leave us dozens of jobs. He just left us one job, and we've got to occupy the space. Think of all of these statements, and there's many, many more. Give, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. See the order? We have but one job to do. We have one job to do, and our job is to occupy the space. And so my question to you today is what is your chain? What is your chain? What is the chain that binds you? What is the chain? Because unless you declare it today, unless you make that declaration today and move forward into a place where you occupy space that God has claimed for you, this chain will remain on you. And so there's something about this. I have to, sorry, I had to do this. I I used these before one time, but I always think they're funny. These are one job. This guy had one job to do. Like, come on. One job. One job. I love this one. If you can see the small writing, it says long yellow things. Like, come on. One job. Just one job to do. Here we go. Don't try to, you, you, don't read it across. If you read it across, you're doomed. All right? You don't matter. Give up. You need one job. Like, all they needed to do was put those apart a little bit. One job to do. We have one job. Now, which one do you go into? <laughs> like this guy had one job to do. One job. <laughs> what about that? Work that one out. Open nine days a week. One job. And I love this one. Oh, man. I'd oh, definitely not wheelchair friends like that one. One job to do. You see... Here's the thing. We have but one job to do. And here it is. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. It's an age-old verse that you probably learned in Sunday school. um, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, opens the door, opens the door, you've got one job to do. One job. You've just got one job to do. Open the door. And as promises, I will come in one job. And here's the thing, here's the thing. All of us, we want to sit in the throne of our own lives. We don't talk to God about anything. And God's waiting, just waiting outside the door, waiting for to give you advice. She said, well, if you'd asked me about that boy, I could have told you he was no good. If you'd asked me about that job, I could have told you it was a good job or not a good job. You have one job to do. Just ask me. Ask me. I will come in. You know, if someone's calling at your home you sorta of like to know, don't you? Well the ladies like to know. We like to clean up and prepare life group and Wednesday night we I usually go home and give the place a scoot with a hoover, that's my one job, all right? And um you like to when when our crew were younger and Amy'll remember this and we were church planting in the home back in ninety six, Saturday night was a big cleanup. You 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 sort of went round and, and we would say, right, we need a clean house. And kids, some of the kids would say, why, is somebody coming? Yes, people are coming, but you still need to lift your clothes off the floor anyway. That would be a really good idea. And because um, and, you see, we like to be prepared. We don't like people to see our mess. We, and, and I think that's what we do with God. I think we do the same thing. We like to clean house. We like to sort of, we like to clean house before we invite them over. Listen, it will never work like that. Because it was never deemed to work like that. Here's the thing. I love this verse. I quote it all the time. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, when we were still broken, when our mess still remained, Jesus Christ died for us. We say, when I get it sorted, when I'm ready, when I get myself together, newsflash folks, you can't get yourself together. You can't get yourself together. If you could you'd have already done it. Some of you are sitting in 40s, 50s, maybe 60s, and you're still, life's still a mess. You can't, if you could have done it, you would have done it. But here's the truth of it. You have but one job to do, and that job is to open the door and invite him in. Name your chain. Name your chain this morning. He thrives in mess. Our king thrives in mess. He gave his life for a mess. So he thrives in this, And so what you've got to do, you've got to name your chain, you've got to understand what it is this morning. So there's got to be declaration, there's got to be occupation, but there's got to be invitation. There's got to be invitation this morning. In John 5, I didn't put the verses up, but in John 5, we have the story of a guy who would um, lay at a pool for 38 years. And um, he was paralyzed couldn't get off his bed. And there was a, a rumor of some kind of urban legend that the, this angel came down once a year and troubled the waters, and the first person got in was healed. Um, I imagine nobody was that first person, actually. It was just a rumor. And... Um, And Jesus comes to where this man lies. If you're watching The Chosen or have watched The Chosen, the scene of this is incredible in The Chosen. And Jesus says to this man, who's been lying like this for 38 years, do you want to get well? I find that quite amazing, actually. What are you thinking, Jesus? What are you thinking? Like he knows, here's what Jesus knows. He knows the most dangerous thing in life is the longer we have these the more we get used to them. And so we ask this man, do you really want to get rid of them? Are you ready to step out of them? Because he realizes that um, after all these years, we get used to wearing them. We forget how heavy they are. Sometimes we even glamorize them. And we learn how to live in bondage, and we learn how to get comfortable in our chains, and we settle One of the best movies you'll ever watch is The Shawshank Redemption. It's probably my top five favorite movies. And in the conversation, Old Brooks, on the right-hand side of the screen there, Old Brooks had served a life sentence, and finally, after serving a life sentence, had got out but couldn't cope with his freedom and took his own life. And Andy and Ellis are having a conversation about this. They're having a conversation about Old Brooks. And Andy says this to Ellis. He says, um, I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, and it gets so you depend on them. You end up, you can't live without them. Pretty incredible, isn't it? And here's the thing about having really low expectations. If you have really low expectations on your life, it's really easy to meet them. I'll say it again because it's worth saying again. If you have really low expectations in your life, it's actually really easy to meet them. And it's easy to get lazy. It's easy to get stuck in a cycle. It's easy to get used to sin. And um, here's the good news. Because Jesus is risen, he conquered it all. Our chains are gone. They're broken by the power of resurrection. All we've got to do is learn how to clear it, how to occupy the space, and how to invite Jesus in. Now listen to the man's response in John 5, which is even more startling than Jesus' question. Here's what he says. Every time I try to get in, somebody beats me to it. It's always an excuse, isn't there? Always an excuse. Um... I've tried it for years. I don't want to live like this, but every time I do it, somebody gets in my way. I don't live like this. I don't want to live like this. You might be saying this morning, every time I try to stop drinking, just something gets in my way. Something happens. Pressure comes. Every time I've tried to deal with porn in my life, just something happens. There's a pop-up or something. Something Something just keeps getting in my way. I don't I, I, I don't know how to do this. I just can't do it on my own. I need some help. You see, here's the thing. By and large, most of you in the room who are dealing with stuff thinks you're the only one in the room. Now, I'll not do this, but if I were to ask everybody in the room who have, has an issue to stand up, I'd be surprised if everybody in the room didn't because I've done this job long enough to know that everybody's got issues. I got them, you got them. And I say this all the time, even the wee bitty deer going over the street in her zimmer, she's got them too. Everybody's got them. We've got our issues. And, and, and what the enemy likes to do is, the, enemy likes, the enemy's biggest strategy is to, think that you, to make you think that you're the only broken person in here. Nobody else has the troubles you have. The old brethren preacher, Mr. Frank Knox, used to say this all the time. If all your troubles were gathered together and put in a barrel and then let loose, he said, you'd probably make a right grab for your own. And I think it could be true. And so there's people in here whose marriages are struggling. They're, they're dealing with depression, on and on. And, and people sometimes say, how you doing? And you say, fine. And you're not really fine at all. And that's why I love this church. That's what I love. But yesterday, I love what our team does. And can I say this about invitation this morning? This is not what you think. Um, if you want Jesus to exercise his keys this morning then what you've got to do is you, that he bought these back with the resurrection, right? You need to invite him into your chains. And this is, this is quite a stunning thing. And I know we know this, but you need to hear this again. Sometimes I think what we think is that we've always to step into the light. To get freedom, we need to step into the light. You'll never, you'll never be able to step into the light on your own. This is that while you were still in your sins, Christ died for you. What actually happens, and this is really important, is Jesus actually comes into your darkness. And as you invite Jesus into your darkness, he enables you to step into the light. So what you do, it's just, now I'm not trying to play a mind game on you, but this is really important. The key's here and the chain's here. And what we do is we invite the key into our life. We invite Jesus into our darkness. And the moment we invite Jesus into our darkness, he helps us deal with the chains and we can step into his light. That's the process. And that makes so much difference because what it does is it stops you trying to make yourself right all the time. You can't make yourself right right. If it's salvation, you need to invite him in. If it's addiction, you need to invite him in. If you're struggling with something, invite him in. You're saying, Phil, I'm living with chains, then invite him in. You need God in your desires, invite him in. You say, I'm fighting with God, invite him in. Listen, I've done this very thing. You don't fight with this God. You need to stop fighting with him. He's too big. You don't fight this God. You follow this God. You don't run away from this God. You run to this God. That's what you do. Invite him into your dark places. Dixie's going to come. You need to know this. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. A few nights ago, Daniel 13, and he I, I have three daughters and two sons. And both my sons, just every time they see me, want to wrestle. And I keep telling them I'm 64 this year. It doesn't seem to matter. And, um, and so the other night, I goes home, Daniel wants to wrestle. Actually, it was during the day I went home, because he's off school, went home to make him some lunch. He comes down the stairs, he was on his place, and he come down the stairs, wrestles me over the settee. So, uh, when he's wrestling me over the settee, um, he says, Right, Dad, come on. And he's sparring with me. My phone starts to buzz. And I went to reach for my phone. And he goes, Uh oh, no phones. Lifts my phone and throws it across the room. Now I've got an iPhone 13. So it was a bit like slow mo. It was a bit like, No! To go and try and catch my phone. Luckily, it landed on the settee. But it was buzzing. And I was trying to reach for the phone. It's, the phone's buzzing, and he's wrestling. And the phone's buzzing, and he's wrestling. And all of a sudden, I began to realize this was more important. The beauty of me wrestling with my son, if that's beauty, um, was more important than the buzz of a phone. Now, after, after the thing was over, this is what was on my phone. I'd, I'd never seen this before. It's a spam call, big red screen. And the thought struck me: there's me trying to reach for spam when my sons looking my attention. It's what we do, isn't it? We reach for the spam of the world. This We just reach for the buzz of the world, and we miss the beauty of the kingdom. And that's the tool of the enemy. And every time, every time, God wants to come close, it's bzz, bzz, bzz. And we get pulled away by the buzz of the enemy. And we miss the beauty of the kingdom. I'd love us to sing this morning as a, a way of declaration. Occupation and invitation this morning, that song, Freedom Reigns in This Place. And I'd love you to sing it as a closing prayer, and I'd love you to sing it with intention that you're talking about yourself this morning. Freedom reigns in this place. That no longer are you reaching for the buzz of the world, bzz, bzz. and missing the beauty of the kingdom. That's what he did in Resurrection Morning. So let's stand, if you can, if you're able, and let's sing this song as our closing prayer, and I'll come back and and close us in a... a... We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk